to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. The co in front of my star is silent. And Dale Hummel. Today is a good day as I get to work with a gay superhero. Now on with the show. Ryan, are you there? Of course I am here, Dale. I'm always here, but I figured since I got to lead off the show last week that you would just be having a nervous breakdown that you weren't the first one to talk this week. That alpha male thing you have going. So by all means, please start the show. Thank you, Ryan. So welcome. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel alongside co-host Ryan Rash. Hello. Ryan, I'm, I'm assuming... Because there's not a lot to do in Texas yet, even though I heard they're 25% open, you're still in somewhat lockdown because there's not a lot of things for you to go out and about and, and partake in. I am still the most bored at home. Rest assured, never been more bored in my life. I actually had another show cancel on me this morning. So I have decided that I'm going to be locked up at the Barbie Mansion permanently and never get to judge a stock show again. That is a terrible thought. The, the stock shows will come back. I'm not sure when they're going to come back, but they are going to come back, and, and we can visit about that in, in a little bit as well. Right now, I'm torn between the direction of going back to normalization or staying in a semi-lockdown state. I promise you my family has a very strong opinion, and that's not to stay locked down but go towards normalization. And, and in my I guess, personal views of this in, in visiting with different people. And, and I don't know anybody personally that has been directly affected by COVID-19 that has been hospitalized and even possibly lost their life. But those that have had personal connections with those kind of people are going to be much more serious about the lockdown or the shelter in place, all of the above. Myself and, and Ryan, and I'm speaking for Ryan here just a, a bit, do not know anybody that has personally been in that situation. So it's a lot easier for us to look at it as it's time to get going. And I don't know what the correct balance is, um, but there is a balance out there. And I'm sure in hindsight, we'll find that. But it is it is a difficult choice. And, and I can see both sides of the story. And I, I can sympathize for those that, that want to keep everybody locked in if they've had that personal experience. But at the same time, we have to find balance and we have to get this economy going and, and it's time to, to get moving. We've talked about this privately. I said something about it on my Facebook Live. You know, we all went to get antibody tests. None of us have them. I don't know anybody in December, January, February, and March that other than me that was in an airport two days a week, judged at least one show every time. I, I mean... I don't know how many different people I came in contact to with a lot. So I was really shocked when I had not been exposed to the lovely Miss Rona. little disappointed in all that, that I haven't got to meet her in some way. But again, I do understand with you that since we don't know anybody that has been directly affected by the virus, that we probably have a different outlook on it. But no matter what your outlook is, the people that want to go out need to be able to to go out and take that risk and be brave and go back to living their lives. And I understand people that, you know, are elderly or have pre-existing conditions are just still in fear that they might get it if they want to stay back and still shelter in place. But I need to go somewhere like now. I think that that makes perfect sense. You're, you're promoting just 
self-choice. You you decide what direction you want to go. And I think that's great. And an example that I heard on on the news or somewhere is, I don't know how many deaths are caused by auto accidents across the United States uh, daily or, or annually. But an example would be that if the speed limits on interstates are 55 to 80 mile an hour, depending on, on where you're at within the country, if we were to take that speed limit and reduce it down to 20 miles per hour, there is no question we would lose far less lives, but that simply isn't realistic. It does not work. That's all about that balance. And we have a mayor here in Chicago, just a, a couple hours north of where I'm at right now, Lori Lightfoot. She claims and comes out and announces in her press conferences, if you to actually take part in gathering with friends, you will go to jail. And this is the same lady that not that long ago went out and got her hair cut. And when asked about it, she says, well, I'm a public figure. I need to look good. I care about my hygiene, all these other, other reasons. And I've never seen such hypocrisy. I cannot explain how it's possible in my mind for someone like her to be elected into a major political office. Well, here is my thing about her. So clearly she has no grip on reality because I've seen this woman's hair. She could have gone a long time without getting it done and nobody would have known the difference. <laughs> Secondly... I cannot believe that she's actually stated that she's going to arrest people for talking on social media about meeting with their friends. Like, that is asinine. It, it is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I think those are the extremes that we have across the country. And it's it's interesting. And, and I understand it. We're in unprecedented times and, and we're in in uncharted waters in terms of, of how to deal with this, but it's it's really extreme from one city to a different state to, to everywhere across the country is handling this differently. And it's interesting that there's protest uh, gathering uh, more momentum. I think there's going to be a lot of changes here in the next week or two. And I'm very thankful to see some of the states opening up more and more. And I hope it it works out and we can keep numbers low and we have plenty of hospital space. I have no reason to believe that's that's not possible. With all of that, I know we talked about in an earlier episode, I'm, I'm not real happy with how China presented this to the world. And uh, here recently this week, an Australian dossier was released that gives you a timeline and, and lays things out very clearly that it appears as though there's very significant evidence on December 6 that China was aware of human-to-human -human transmission of COVID-19. It was not until January 20th that they actually admitted that this was happening, that we were getting human-to-human -human transmission. They led the world to believe that you have to go and eat a bat to get this, and it was going to be very isolated to, to that part. All while, this time from December 6th until January 20th, they were restricting domestic travel in China, but not restricting international travel. They were gathering PPE and other medical equipment. This is not, in my opinion, not being transparent, but in, in my mind, it's misleading the entire world. And I believe they need to be held responsible in any manner we can. I had talked about earlier. Uh, not making good on the U.S. bonds, that the $1.18 trillion of U.S. bonds that China holds. I've heard some 
congressmen and senators talk about this recently, and some are in favor of, of that exact plan, but fears of it decreasing or devaluing the U.S. dollar, and, and I agree with that. So I don't think that's probably going to be the direction we go. I, I think it's going to be more of some type of sanctions against China. Not sure exactly what, but in my mind, there, there has to be some accountability because it wasn't just not being transparent. It was flat out misleading the entire world. Well, see, I'm going to go a step further than that because I have read all the dossier and the evidence and all this other stuff that's been pouring in for the last couple of This is just a big cover-up by the communist China or however you want to address them or whatever because there is no way that they sat on this for nearly two months and would not allow their people to travel to Wuhan where this was all created. But anybody else could come and go, etc., and again, I am not a conspiracy theorist by any means. And like when people come up with conspiracy theories about anything, I'm always the first one for my eyes to roll out of my head on the floor. But I think, it, I don't know if it was Tucker Carlson or Hannity or who it was the other night, but one of them put up a case, or maybe it was one of their guests even, that said that what they felt the most obvious explanation for this was is that since Trump had taken office. China has been dealing with a president that will not let them walk all over the United States. And they knew, because this virus had got out, that it was drastically going to affect their economy. And so their plan was, well, if it's going to hurt us, we'll just let it hurt everybody. And again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but from judging by their actions and what they've done and the timelines that have been established, there is really no other explanation for how they handled the situation. And I think it's very simple, very logical, and maybe more evidence will come out and prove those speculations incorrect. But I, I really, at this point, with the information that we have, it seems very, very simple to me. And it's caused, a, I mean, I don't even need to explain to the, to the listeners how many problems it's caused. And What's hitting the major media right now, and we talked about it a little bit last week, is our disruptions in the protein supply or meat supply. And it's real simple. And I've, I've tried to gather a few numbers in terms of, of what impact it's having on swine producers and beef producers. Are they euthanizing stock that, that they can't get into to packing plants? Absolutely. I think it's real simple if you, you the, the supply chain is so tied to shackle space. That shackle plus space basically equals production volume. Shackle space equals production volume. So every shackle space that we do not have, something has to happen with that, that, that market animal. And unfortunately, there's a very large number of pigs being euthanized. For some reason, it appears to be hitting the pork plants harder. COVID-19 is hitting them harder than the beef plants. I assume just coincidence. I, I also believe it'll even out and there'll be more hiccups on the beef side. Um, so it is, it is a problem. And, and uh, there's one other aspect that's going to be, be thrown out there, I predict, here very soon. A large percentage of the, the beef and pork slaughter is controlled by four companies. The pork, largest pork processor is Smithfield, Chinese-owned. The largest beef processor, JBS, Brazilian-owned. These foreign-owned processors 
are, are very similar to all the comparisons we can make that we have a lot of our medical equipment and so forth made in China. The fact that, that they're not even U.S. owned, we, we may be, I'm not saying we don't have control over them, but it makes me nervous to a certain degree. Right now, prices of cattle and hogs are plummeting in terms of producer side. We can't even give them away in, in some situations on the pork side. Yet guess what's happening to the consumer price? We're higher than we've been in a very long time. With that, I believe there's going to be some investigation from the Justice Department on price fixing and other issues. And it does seem logical. I, I have no idea. I've not researched heavy enough. But on the surface, with the packing plants able to acquire product very cheap right now, as is, is inexpensive as ever, and product in the grocery stores being higher than it's been in a very long time, I, I do have an issue with that. No question. Like I said, I know you touched on this last week, and you're way more in-depth and well-versed on all this than I am. Just a few things that I noticed this week is on my social media or Facebook specifically, I saw two or three people post within the last couple of days that they were at their grocery store, and now there's being limits put on proteins, two per person of chicken, beef, pork, etc. And then today, I saw that Wendy's is no longer serving burgers. Which, first off, I'm not a big fan of Wendy's, and we don't have one in my little podunk town, so this is not going to affect me directly. But I was like, oh, this is not good. This is, this is not a good direction that we're headed right here. No, and I think when you see things like that at the grocery store, and I think it's, it's actually one-fifth of Wendy's locations will no longer be serving beef while this supply chain issue is in place. Costco's limiting you to two meat items. Kroger's warning of supply issues and limits. That's going to get people's attention, and, and I don't know what direction it's, it's definitely, I don't know which way it's going to go. I do know that as we look at the COVID-19 and our economy of, of the United States and everything that we're dealing with, that economic rebound is determined by propensity of people to take action. And that could be with your social liberties, protesting, or economically by going out and partaking in, in the, the economy and going to a restaurant, traveling, doing all those things, because we can start opening things up, but if people are too afraid to go out, it doesn't do us any good. So it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act. I don't know what direction we're going to be in the next couple of weeks, but I, I really, truly hope we move towards normalization. With that, I hope we, we can do that in a manner that, that is still safe. Ryan had mentioned earlier that my antibody test came back negative as, as well as Ryan's. And, and he's certainly, and he was, he was being nice when he discussed it earlier. He was upset, depressed. I, I don't know what would you call it, Ryan, when you got your test result back. <laughs> you can name any emotion there was, and I would probably felt it within the first two hours. I, I'm just going to be I was just in disbelief more than anything else because, like, I, I do not know as many people as I interacted with, as many places I went, as many planes as I was on, as many different hotel rooms as I was in, etc. that I did not come into one single contact with one single person that had had this. But again, I'm not going to defy science and say that that test was wrong. Clearly, they tested my blood. I don't have any antibodies for it. So I couldn't have ever been exposed. But as I said on my Facebook Live... With that knowledge, that just makes me wonder how is this virus as easy to catch as what they claim? I don't know. Again, I don't know anybody affected with it. 
personally, and I can just go by my own personal experience, but I was truly in disbelief. Now, when yours came back negative, I really wasn't that shocked because, again, I've told people you've been at shelter in place before and knew they had a virus. But me, that was a whole different story. And then as you were talking about the economy having to start up, let me tell you something. If any state is out there listening, a governor, a city, if y'all will just open a damn bar, I will be there. Okay? Just open it up. I will be there. I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want them to lose their liquor license. But if you will open a bar, I will show up. I promise you. I think that's where we're at. And I think there's a lot of pent up excitement to get out. I think the economy will jump back as as we open up and, and let's hope it all, all stays safe. With that, Ryan, would you like to introduce our guest and the topic that we are going to be discussing today? Oh, well, I would just be so honored to. Thank you. I got to pick this topic. And what we're going to talk about today is social media do's and don'ts, basically, or the etiquette of social media on the stock show saying, this is something that I don't know if me and Taylor are going to agree on a whole lot because we really haven't discussed our views or what we're going to talk about. But we do have a referee party that is coming on to be on our podcast with us. Someone that uh, if you, you know me or follow me, you know her because she is basically my sidekick and always with me. If you listen to Dale Hummel or Callie Ellis themselves, they do not believe that I was a fully functioning human adult before they came into my lives, but I assure you I was. Callie is a wonderfully intelligent and articulate young lady, all thanks to me raising her, basically. And she was a 4.0 graduate of Texas A&M University and is now working on her master's at Oklahoma State University. Go Pokes! And she is going to come on here today to discuss with us her opinions of social media in the stock show scene, because basically, that's all we talk about a whole lot of the time is what we see on those things, and especially here lately, since Miss Rona has us all bored at home. But, Callie girl, are you there? Hello, I am here. Well, we are just... And Ryan, just to let you know, I do know you were functioning. I just think you function much better with me around. Uh-huh. Well, Dale agrees with you completely, so don't worry about that. He literally, if he ever texts me by myself or comes up, now where's Callie? I'm like, she's at her home, Dale. We don't live together. We're not conjoined twins, okay? This this is true. I, I do, uh, I feel more comfortable when Callie's around to, to fix a problem or to reel Ryan in maybe a little bit on social media even or run things past her. And she appears to have a very level head when it comes to a lot of these things. And, and I, I, I think, I doubt that Ryan listens to her all the time, but I, I'm sure she has some influence. I, tr- I definitely try. Ryan um, tried to claim that I was a terrible press secretary one time because I wasn't putting what he wanted. But ideally, I really think I was being a much better one, taking what he wanted to say in a much nicer way. Evidently, y'all don't listen to Sheree Caraba, Bright because she will tell people that they lo- she lost control of me on the way home from the hospital, and no one has ever been able to gain control of this ride. But y'all just go on believing what y'all want. <laughs> so let's move on to the social media of it all, and y'all can quit bashing on the gay, as usual. So, I mean, this is like every guest now. One time, I thought Callie would be on my side, but one day, I'm going to have a guest on here that's going to be like, you right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, girl, but not yet. (laughs) So, 
first off, uh, I think the big thing that we need to remember when we're talking about social media in general, and this is one thing that, again, I am not perfect, and I don't think anybody is. And we all make mistakes and screw up and do stupid stuff, and I get that. But I think the biggest thing that we all need to remember, if whether you are just posting or talking about the show industry or whatever, you know, trying to market animals and all this other stuff, always remember that somebody out there is reading that that's a young person. And so we should always strive what we put out there to be as good as we can be in a whole lot of ways and to not set a bad example. But uh, that's just kind of my overview on it to begin with. I think there's lots of different things. I think, obviously, I'm a big believer in social media. I use it a whole lot. I like it. And so I think there's a lot of good that can come from it. But I also think that there are some things that we need to be careful and watch and discuss. But first, I would like to get Dale's thoughts on social media as marketing. No, I'd be happy to, to jump in there and, and to give our listeners just a little bit of, of history. Back in the, the very early days of Facebook, I was still teaching at a, at a college, and a lot of students would bring to me social media, specifically Facebook posts or different things on Facebook, and, and I wasn't, did not have a Facebook account. The little exposure that I had to it at that time, I would explain to the students that I thought it was a, a true social evil from the standpoint that people are posting their dirty laundry way, way too personal, way too informative and, and on a personal level than maybe where I wanted to go. Since then, I do have a Facebook account. Our family business, Hummel Livestock, has, has very much used social media to help build a brand, to market. For junior recognition, industry information, lots of different different directions that we can take that. And I can, I can assure you that there's a lot of negative out there, and Ryan's kind of alluded to it a little bit, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But if you can get on, on social media and tell a positive story while others are focusing on the negative, you're always going to gain far more ground bringing out that positive. And that may be by sharing a, a family story or a family experience or highlighting the success of a, of a specific junior uh, exhibitor, whatever that may be. But if I can give guidance or advice off of what I've determined over the years in, in terms of social media marketing and, and branding is more times than not, if we can bring out the positive, it, it goes in, in a very, very good direction. We no longer have a functional website. We, we say it's under construction, and my wife is slowly working on that. But it seems like to me that everybody wants instant information. In other words, they'd rather it popped up on their, their news feed or on their timeline than having to go to your website and say, well, who won OYE or who was at Arizona National. They, they want it out there in the social media, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or even Snapchat or, or Twitter or whatever it may be. So we've, we've kind of adjusted and gone that way. I, I don't claim to know that much about social media, but it's, it's been instrumental in, in terms of us getting information out, uh, advertising sales, highlighting juniors, all of the above. Callie, I know that Ellis Beefmasters has, has a lot of stuff on social media and you use it quite a lot. And so what are your thoughts in terms of marketing? I think a very important part is just know who your target audience is and know who you're wanting 
to market to, rather it's in the livestock industry and no matter what it is. Um, I have to agree with Dale on the website situation. Dad always told me that I needed to get a website up and all these other things. But I think Facebook and Instagram and even Snapchat, Twitter, I think they're the forefront of how people are now like selling and marketing their cattle, telling people how they're doing at shows and everything. So I honestly agree 100% with Dale. Thank you, Callie. Ryan Ryan may not like that, but that's (laughs) that's, that's a great thing. Again, last week it was Jackson with a bromance, and now y'all have a love affair on here as well. So it's just wonderful. So since y'all just love each other about marketing, we're going to move on to something else because I'm going to win eventually. So, But there are things that happen on social media that just aren't supposed to happen. I, I don't care which way you want to sugarcoat it or et cetera. It's just things that go on in terms of the stock show world that don't need to happen. And uh, the first thing or one of the things that drives me the most insane probably is uh, I get we do go to the show, et cetera. We're proud of ourselves and proud of our animals, proud of our kids. And we want to first thing we want to do is post that picture up there on social media and say, you know, this is what we want here. And thank you to everyone helped. And that's all great. For the love of God, buy that picture from that photographer's website. Just don't go on the website and screenshot that thing with the watermark across it and plaster it up there on every social media account you've got. And the whole reason why is, is those photographers that are taking those pictures are part of our industry. They're not some rando. You know these people. They grew up in our industry. They've been involved in our industry. They have catered their business towards livestock shows And they have to make a living, too. And every time that someone screenshots one of those pictures and doesn't buy that image and then just uses it everywhere, you're literally costing them not only revenue, it's something deeply personal to a lot of them. And until you were in their shoes, if that happened to you in a separate way, I think you would understand. And so that is like one of my biggest pet peeves by far and away is if you're going to put that picture up on social media, you better buy it first. Especially when it's a backdrop photo, like at a major show. It's one of my huge pet peeves as well. No, and I, I see that happening as well. And, and sometimes we get in such a big hurry that we just won that that championship or won that show or, or won our class today. And that backdrop picture, those photographers have a lot to sort through and they may not get that posted for another day or a couple days and, and people are antsy to to get that gone. But as soon as they get that posted, more times than not, we can we can purchase that at the same time. So there's not a lot of excuses not not to purchase that by any means. Well, I just had to get off that off my chest first. And so in that topic of discussion of posting pics of what you've won at shows and stuff like that, moving on to another topic that has to do with pictures and stuff like that, uh, I get this question asked a lot of times. Sometimes it's by breeders. Sometimes it's by brokers. Uh, a lot of times it's by kids and family members. They ask me what my stance is when I'm judging Do I care or do I like it or dislike it when I get tagged in a backdrop picture from a show that I judged? I want y'all's reaction to this, too, because I've never come up with a real good answer with this. But you always know that I'm just truthful on how I feel. And even though I don't have a real good rationale or explanation for it, I am just going to tell you that. How I feel about it is 
It really does not bother me when it is that kid or that family member that tags me in one of those photos. I get that they're proud that they won the show. They did well. A lot of times those kids are really excited that I used them to win. I don't know why, but they are. And so when that happens, I don't, I don't get real upset. When it is a breeder or a broker or some other type of individual that wants to put it on there just for promotion, again, I don't get mad. I don't take myself out of the tag or anything like that. I just don't have the genuine sense that I do when it is a kid or a family member. Again, there is no real good rationale to that. But that's just how I personally feel on the subject. I think that, well, I think, Ryan, it's also different when it's you because you use so social media so much more. So I personally have never thought about ever like tagging a judge or anything in my post. But I think because you're such a public figure for the livestock industry on social media, to me, it's just like a totally different thing. But no, I agree with you. And I, I think it's simple, Ryan. When you when you have a social media presence, as you do, if I have an animal out there that wins under you, or you're in that backdrop, or any breeder that's that's social media savvy, it just makes perfect sense. If we want to get that out to as many people as we can, you're in the backdrop picture. You use this animal to win. It's almost a free pass. Okay, I can tag Ryan Rash. That doesn't mean he won't take it off or block me. But if it's wide open. That gets that post out to more people that here's some of my genetics that did well. So in, in my opinion, and Callie stated already, if you're tagged from that parent or that exhibitor, you're, I think you're feeling a very genuine, they're excited about that. Not to say the breeder isn't excited, but it's very simple. As a breeder myself, if I'm tagging you in that because you used one of our animals to win at a, at a, at a major show, you're getting tagged to get more exposure. It's that simple. And, and maybe you're feeling a little bit used. Would that be accurate? I guess that's the best way to put it. I mean, and I, like I said, I don't take my name off the tags or anything like that. Maybe it is because I am just a big presence on social media, et cetera. But I've always, you know, when I get asked that question, I feel like I'm being hypocritical because I said, well, you know, if it's a kid, I don't mind it. But if it's somebody else, I do. And I really don't mind it either way. But that is something that gets asked to me all the time, and since we were on this topic of social media and stock show etiquette, et cetera, I thought it was something that needs to be brought up. But I do, I think that y'all are probably hit, it nail on, hit the nail on the head that, like, when it isn't that family or that kid or it's sometimes I feel like they're just using me to get their picture out in front of, like, 15,000 people. And I guess that's right. Maybe that is it. But I guess uh, just a general rule of thumb for me on this, because I we haven't really given an answer, is if you can contact that judge and ask them if they mind to be tagged, that's probably the best. Because again, if you've won, whether no matter who you are, whether you're the breeder or the seller or the family member or the parent, the kid, you don't want to offend that guy that or gal that just used you to win. So probably the best thing to do before you tag someone that's a judge in the backdrop photo is to ask them if it's okay, et cetera, would probably be what I would advise you to do. I think that's a great plan from the standpoint that that would be, if we're talking about social media etiquette, that that would be the proper way to do it. I can assure you that there are sometimes I've tagged people such as Ryan. I don't know if I've ever actually tagged Ryan, but but there have been other judges. If I think they have a strong social media presence, I'm much more likely to tag them in, in that that post. 
and this this maybe comes around, and, and I'm going to bring a little bit different perspective on this, and, and maybe should even address it earlier when we talked about marketing and building a brand. And I don't know how many people are aware of this. We uh, I'm sure most people understand there's there, with Facebook specifically, you can have a personal page and or a business page. I have a personal page for myself, and we have a business page for Hummel Livestock. If I post something on my personal page, I'm limited to 5,000 friends. Um, most of those friends, when I post that particular picture or event or whatever it may be, the majority of those are going to see that on their timeline over the next couple of days. If I were to do the same post on my Hummel Livestock business page, which are not restricted to followers or, excuse me, restricted to, to friends or people that like that page, we have nearly 39,000 people that follow the Hummel Livestock page. I put a post up and I do not sponsor that post. I do not pay Facebook to push that post out to my, my followers or my friends. It goes out to maybe, maybe 1,000 of those 39,000 followers. So it's, it's certainly Facebook's way of generating income. And I can promise you over the past couple of years, initially, if I had put $5 on a, on a picture, it would get out to most of those people following the business page. Now to get out to most of those people that are, that are already following it and want to see that information, it costs significantly more. It is an economic issue that if, if I can post or tag Ryan Rash all of a sudden, maybe I don't need to sponsor that. I don't need to spend money to get it out to everybody because his friends are going to see it, et cetera. So it even, even maybe comes back to economics a little bit. And I am fearful on the Facebook business pages, high of the increases that I've seen over the past couple of years, just to get a, a picture out to those that are following you. I'm not sure that maybe we don't need to search for another avenue in terms of marketing. Right now, it is the primary marketing avenue for ourselves or for Hummel Livestock, but because of cost restrictions and, and, and if you're posting every week, it, it becomes difficult. Maybe do more posts through my personal page, but then you're limited to those 5,000 followers. That's very good information there to have there, Dale. I did not know that you and Mark Zuckerberg did so much business together. I'm sure he's a huge fan of yours, but... Huge fan. <laughs> So moving on to another topic, and it's going to be one that's kind of been a buzz of the stock show, social media here lately. Uh, and this always gets brought up. And again, uh, it's going to be a little bit controversial, and that's okay. But Photoshopping always comes into play on this stuff. And so my personal opinion on it is pretty simple. I think 95% of the people use Photoshop in some way, somehow, some form. I don't have anything against using Photoshop. I think if you're going to do it, you better be good enough at it or smart enough at it. They can't tell that you have done it because when you are the person that gets caught doing it and it's obvious that it has been Photoshop, that is when you become the subject of the weekly memes of the stock show circuit. And so... I don't have anything against Photoshop. I'm going to tell you flat up. If I was having a layout photo shoot tomorrow, I would damn sure be airbrushed when it was over with. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite on it and say that I wouldn't use it on me or on livestock I was trying to sell. Uh, but I just think that if you're going to do it, use it correctly and make sure that you're good enough to not make it quite so obvious. 
I, I'm not sure how many people are using Photoshop in the livestock industry. I'm, I'm sure it's a fairly high percentage. And I think what we need to realize is if you're a livestock breeder and you're using Photoshop to help market animals or for your online sales or, or whatever it may be, you need to remember that, that if you're going to be in this business long term, that those people that are buying those animals or assuming that that picture is, is relatively accurate or at least resembles the animal that you're selling, they expect that to happen or they're not going to come back. So those that are in the business long term, I think, understand that that relationship and trust from others out there in the online industry or online sales specifically, that if you can't represent that animal um, as is or, or represent it as close as possible, I'm not saying don't fit your animal, don't try to do a good job getting them set up, all, all the things you would do for a show. But let's keep it within a realistic realm that that every animal is not perfect. And if we we reach out there and find someone that has a lot of experience in Photoshop, they can come close to making every animal perfect. And we we also have to realize that I think a lot of the buying public, when we see a video, we assume, well, that's pretty authentic. Be careful. I've been contacted by several people that say, let me come video your, your livestock, I can make those look just as good in a video as I can in a picture via Photoshop. It just takes a little bit longer to do it. But technology advancements, be careful. And, and I think it's, it's pretty obvious sometimes that, that if you've got a breeder out there that's been in the business for 10 plus years and had a, a great deal of success, you can feel pretty comfortable that yeah, they, they maybe can raise a national champion. But all of a sudden, here's a completely unknown pedigree and that picture looks almost perfect, maybe we need to stop and say, hey, is, is this real or is it not? I don't know. I think using some common sense and the breeders being realistic that, hey, you're going to cut yourself short in terms of, of your buyers long term if you do not represent that within a, in a realm of, of what we call acceptability in terms of, of what the quality of that animal is. Well, Callie, uh you're part of this younger generation and younger crowd. I mean, granted, we're only like seven years apart, but anyhow, what do your little friends, do not laugh, uh, what do your little friends think about Photoshop and what are your takes on it? I mean, honestly, like it's there and it's going to be used. It doesn't bother me as bad. Like if it's, if when you go look at the animal, it still resembles that animal. Like how Dale said, be authentic about it. Also, this might just be a pet peeve of mine, and I'm probably going to get backlash from it. But if you have a professional photo taken of the animal, or if you're using something for marketing, like continue to use that for that animal. Like don't go back and use a younger picture or something that does not look the way that that picture looks. I think you just need to be the same on all different fields. And I just think you have to be smart about it. And honestly, that's with anything that you do on social media. Because like you said earlier, I mean, there's younger people there, you're trying to get new customers trying to have the same people come back. Yeah, just be honest and truthful about it all. There you go. Honest and truthful with Photoshop. That's gonna be tricky. But I, but I get what you're <laughs> well, no, I okay, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I get what you're saying completely. I'm just giving you hell. Don't completely change the animal. Right. No, you're absolutely correct there. And I think that's that's kind of the whole thing. I think actually we all kind of agree on this is 
I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to help just a little bit, but when you're completely making animals not appear anything like the realm that they are, we've probably gone just a little too far. And sadly to say, there are some people that do that in this industry. But again, like Dale touched on, those breeders that have been here and have good reputations, they're not the ones that are going to take it that far. Moving on to another more uh, topic of mine that I just find it comical. So we all know that when we get ready for these big shows, whether it's a state fair or a major show or even sometimes the big jackpots or whatever, the, the things that I find comical on social media is how everybody, or not everybody, but a large, a good many people, I should say not a large portion, but a good many people will start posting those pictures and those videos of those animals, getting them ready for the show, hoping, and like sometimes they'll tag people that they know that the judge is good friends with them. So if they're tagged in it, they might see it on their feet or whatever, trying to get them some promotion before that show. And again, I just, I find it real comical that they think that works, but uh, it happens a lot. And some people that put the same backdrop picture up of that KF 999 times throughout the year. And we get it. We understand. I don't know what you think you're going to accomplish with this, but it is a trend that I see happening a lot. I, I'm happy to jump in here and maybe steal Callie's uh, advice. We just need to be smart about it. And, and, and from the standpoint, the, the judges are on social media, not all of them, but, but the majority of them. And if it's a backdrop picture from somewhere, yeah, that's going to go up and you're going to advertise it. And, and a judge later on may, may or may not see it. The ones that I, I don't understand that Ryan kind of alluded to at first is if you go out and take a picture or a video of this one saying you're getting ready to go to such and such show, I don't know about the rest of the world, but when we're trying to get our children's animals ready or, or clients that buy from us in terms of advising them, we're usually feeding and gearing up for a specific day. And I promise you that I can't have that animal looking as good as I'm going to have it looking show day seven days prior to that. So in all honesty, I would prefer that judge doesn't see those videos or those photos and tell that animal's 12 o'clock and hydrated, everything that needs to be done and, and professionally presented on show day. So I look at it two different ways. I guess if it's a backdrop picture that you're posting up, you may or may not know who's judging the next show and that animals may be even going to that show. A little bit different. And in, in, I think if you have a younger generation or younger judges that are, are just getting started and they know that this particular barrow or steer or whatever we want to talk about has, has won a couple major shows or, or larger jackpot shows and maybe it's going to that state fair, maybe there's there's some value. Maybe that that plays mind games with that that younger judge. But I think as we, we get into to judges that are fairly more experienced, I, I, I just don't know that those things are going to come into play in their mind as much as, as what those posting it would hope it does, but rather just studying those animals for what they are. And, and we really need to evolve to, to looking at those animals each individually on that given day. I can't tell you the number of times Callie has texted me or called me or sent me. He's like, girl... Did you see what XYZ put up? Now, you know that was on there just because of. And so, uh, again, I, I know we find it comical because of the number of times that Callie and I have 
had this discussion before. Isn't that right, Callie? Oh, we have the most screenshots in our group text. You're right. The most. <laughs> Naturally, that's how we roll. Right. I'm going to go out and venture to guess that that has absolutely no impact on your decision in the ring. Oh, z- beyond zero? <laughs> it's like negative, but a lot of the things that are going to come up in this conversation from here on out, nothing really affects my evaluation at all other than what comes in the ring and what I like and the setting that we're in and which animal I deem the best. But a lot of this, you know, even though we're talking about it, I'm not probably the best person in terms of being a test case for it because it just doesn't affect me and it doesn't bother me. And I also know a lot of times that some of this stuff that happens, not so much on public postings like on Instagram or Facebook, but a lot of stuff in terms of messages and text and, you know, Snapchat, that kid or that family member may not even know that that's getting sent to a judge. And so, again, I just let it all go in one ear and out the other. But uh, that kind of goes on to the next topic or whatever. I've got asked this a lot of time, and I had a friend call me just several months ago and said, do you know I got three pictures sent to me via Snapchat before this show that I just judged? And I said, you only got three, huh? Hold my crown in Red Bull. (laughs) Because three would have been an easy day for me at most of those bigger shows. But uh, I do think, and I I don't know, and Callie will have to weigh in here on this in a little bit. I don't understand why people think you can get away with a lot more on Snapchat than you can everything else. And maybe because the idea of Snapchat when it first happened was that, you know, it was just supposed to be there for 10 seconds and then magically disappear. Of course, you could still screenshot, but now you can save stuff in that sap. You can save it to your camera roll, export it, etc. So it's just like any other form of communication or social media. But one thing that I'm going to say to anybody who thinks it is a good idea to send a snap, a picture, a video of your animal to a judge before the show. This is what I'm going to tell you. If you have to rely on that as a tactic for success, there's one of two things going on there. Number one, you're not confident in your animal. Or number two, you're not confident in the sorter at that show. And sending that, as they say, I'm just going to send it, is not going to fix either one of those problems. And so I would caution you and tell you, just don't do it. In all instances. Especially, I, I will say, I do find it comical when Ryan's judging a show and I start to get pictures from people that I don't even know. I don't even care because I'm like, he don't even listen to me half the time anyways. So this picture really does nothing for me. So, and the just send it sometimes, not always good advice. <laughs> and Ryan, you've opened up a Pandora's box here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot a little bit. I'm sure there's always talk of, of these things happening, but no, nobody's just opening up and, and talking about it. You're going to come on back on here and tell us that you have been sent pictures prior to a show, several shows. Oh, almost every single show that I judge. And we, we hear about this, and, and it's, it's, it's a hard one for me to, to swallow, and I, I can't even imagine, and you, you brought it out so clearly that obviously they either 
either assume, Ryan, you're not going to be able to find it or that animal's not good enough to find or, or whatever it may be. But that that's an interesting topic. So you're you're going to I'm also going to assume that if you're you're getting those pictures, obviously those same people would likely be sending pictures to other judges if they thought it was gonna gonna serve them well. Why they would send them to you and think that that's gonna have a, a positive impact, I have to scratch my head and, and just wonder. I scratch my head and wonder about it all the time too, and so does Callie, because I am not joking you. The majority of them come through Snapchat, and I, I would say probably 80% of them come through Snapchat. But at the same token, when it comes through, I would say almost that percentage or more, which is 80%, I don't know who's sending it. And I, I mean, because not everybody has their name on their Snapchat. It's, you know, they have some just nickname or something that doesn't come up, you know, with their actual name on it. And again, I'm at my limit on Snapchat, friends. So a lot of them, they can send me stuff, but I can't add them back to actually get what their real name is if they have it on there, etc. So they've sent me this thing, which is completely insulting my intelligence to start with. Because if y'all don't think that I'm smart enough to find that animal and you have to draw me a roadmap, you probably don't need to come to the show that I'm judging. But number two... I don't know who you are, who your calf is, or who's showing it. So what is the point? I mean, it's just completely, it's just beyond me on why they think this is something they need to do. And you're going on record right now, I hope, that if you were to get a text or a snap of those animals, not only is it not going to help them, but in, in essence that if you'd happen to remember that animal in the ring, it, it may even even not give them the nod on a close decision. Well, see, that's what I talked about earlier, Dale. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to judge the stock. And it doesn't matter whether somebody snapped me a picture or not because of just of what I said earlier. Those kids and those family members may not know this is happening. I do not feel it is my place to go on and do anything but sort the stock that are out there, regardless of what's happened before. I mean, I've used people that I'm really good friends with to win shows when they're supposed to. I've used people that have never spoke to me at a show until we got to that backdrop before. So I'm going to do exactly what I want to do out in the ring, and I'm going to sort stock regardless of what happens. Excellent. I think that's the direction that hopefully we can we can get everybody in that direction. And I think there's a lot of judges out there that, that feel the exact same way as you do. And that's a, another episode that we're going to discuss in terms of, of judges and, and what judges are hired. Ryan, I have a question for you or, or and or Callie, or, or both of you can tune in on this. I'm familiar with Facebook, the business side, the personal page. I have some exposure to Instagram, not a great deal. I like Instagram because it can we can get out to many more people without having to sponsor. You can sponsor on Instagram, but it doesn't seem to be as restrictive. To my knowledge, Facebook owns Instagram, so I am not hopeful that it's going to stay that way. I am not overly familiar with Snapchat. I do get a, an occasional Snapchat from Ryan, and when we're talking about social etiquette, I'm, I'm questionable there on occasion. I also am not familiar at all with Twitter. Guys, tell me, where, where do you see these, these four different platforms fitting into the junior livestock industry or the livestock industry in general? And I, and I guess... I'm only familiar with the two of them for the most part. 
but can we use Twitter? Can we use Snapchat to to progress down a, a path that's that's maybe positive from a marketing standpoint or a promotion standpoint? Well, I'm going to let Callie do the tweeting, tweeting and the twatting and all that because I have Twitter. But other than when Callie says you need to go look at this or whatever, I don't. I don't tweet. I don't twat. I don't. I don't get on it. I don't do any of it because. I just got enough going on with Facebook and Snapchat that my world is pretty content. And now, of course, I have the hot cops of TikTok to follow, too. So I got a lot going on. So I just don't have a whole lot of time for the Twitter of it all. But Callie is a big tweeter. She loves the Twitter. And so she can tell you. Well, Dale, I will say I, as much as Ryan thinks I'm a big Twitter person, I'm really not. I honestly just got back to using it like five six months ago, but I will say on Twitter, you can be a lot more savage. A lot of more things trend on it. It's highly entertaining just to watch. That's mainly what I do. But as far as for marketing or selling animals, I think Facebook is still going to be the number one, just because even though we are selling for junior exhibitors, the parents are more than likely the ones that are buying it. I think Instagram is the next best platform for it. My mom has an Instagram, but she rarely ever gets on it because she says she forgets half the time. But I think Instagram, you're starting to see more parents, businesses, a lot of boutiques and everything use it on there. And I do think that there is a place I think that Instagram is kind of where more of it's moving to. I think Snapchat, because people can directly communicate with it on there. And people watch stories, and especially during this time, there's nothing else to do. So even if you don't Snapchat that person, you can watch their story. And even Ryan's been saying he's been watching people's stories, and he never does that. Oh, she's right. Like, I I can't tell you the number of times people have, like, texted me or snapped me and said, hey, did you see so-and-so's story? And before Miss Rona, I never watched somebody's story. I, like, put all kinds of crazy stuff on my own snap, but I don't go and watch something unless it's called out to me. But uh, I agree with what Kelly said on Twitter. I, I think it's a lot more savage, and they get way more out there on Twitter than they do on Facebook or Instagram. In terms of Snapchat, I think Kelly has a real good point because you can communicate one-on-one with a person. I think that there have been here lately, I have seen because I paid more attention, a lot more people trying to promote stuff through Uh, Snapchat, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody that I think is doing a real good job. And I think Mock Showhogs, they're real active on Snap and they had some sales here lately and they send out, you know, like flyers through Snap or have it on their story and you could swipe up and ask them the breeding and stuff like that. And I'll be honest with you, since I'm so fascinated with show pigs and stuff like that, I really have enjoyed that. And so I think if more people would take the lead in terms of merchandising and marketing their show stock through Snapchat. That way, I think it would be a big success for them. And I think of all of the platforms, I think Facebook's probably always going to be number one in trying to market your show stock. But I think Snapchat is rapidly becoming the next most useful one of all those four. That's interesting to me. And and I appreciate the input from both Ryan and Callie on that. And so it sounds like to me that Facebook's your your number one, followed by Instagram and, and Snapchat maybe moving up there and, and maybe not so much on Twitter. 
Kelly, I have a question for you. My children range from young teenagers into college age, and they, they for the most part, tell me that they're rarely going on Facebook, that they're almost always on Instagram. You see in your generation still heavily looking at Facebook, or are you just assuming the parents are, are more Facebook and, and that's who we need to target? I will actually say for a week, I tracked the social media platforms that I use, which it was for a class project, but I did it. And because you can see your screen time on your phone on each social media app that you use. I still used Facebook probably the most. And I think that's just because at school I had access to different pages. So I'd be doing stuff on those. But listening to my peers and other people, they would be using Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter more than Facebook. What she's saying is Facebook people are old, which is just rude. That is just so terrible. <laughs> I'm saying I'm considering myself one of those people because I like I still use that more than any other platform. Well, girl, you do have an old soul, but I, I, <laughs> uh, I will say this. Kelly, you said that you can track on your phone, what apps you use the most? Yes, girl. I do not want to know what apps you use the most. Oh, we do not even need to get up. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad I don't know this because Lord knows I don't need to find out this information. Girl, I know without looking at your phone. This is a PG-13 show. And but anyway, but I'm gonna have to get on that. When we get off this, you're gonna have to text me on how to find out all this. Cause hmm, that could be interesting. I got you, girl. Dale, you okay over there? <laughs> I'm great. I was going to take it back another direction and, and just reinsert that from a business perspective, I am searching to move away from Facebook just because of the cost. And, and and I think that if you can build that Snapchat following, I think that, Ryan, some of the things that you pointed out there, that's that's a logical direction to go. It doesn't at this point cost anything. Even Instagram's relatively low. And I, I have found one thing via Instagram. We do have the parents buying the livestock, but it seems as though a lot of the younger generation is using Instagram and they continue to tell their parents they want to buy from from this breeder or that breeder. And it may be directly going back to some of those those Instagram posts. And you would assume that's their biggest exposure to that particular breeder. I cannot believe that you are trying to get away from Facebook when you and Marky Mark Zuckerberg are such good friends. I mean, like, you've got to be in his top 10 biggest clientele, and he loves you so much, he never gives you any problems on Facebook, y'all. I mean, <laughs> you have his own personal number. No, I, I I have to admit, Facebook has been very good to building our brand. I've I've used it heavily for a lot of different marketing situations, and I, Ryan's referring to you. I, I will put posts up on occasion, and uh, there's nothing as far as the content that would be offensive in any manner. And, and a lot of my posts are blocked for, for some unknown reason. And I assured Ryan that because of our business page and trying to get it, some of those posts out to followers, I'm confident that I spend a, a significant amount of money with the Facebook crew, and, and they're still a little hard on me. And I just think that that is just awful because. I don't understand if you're paying for something, why they just don't let you do whatever. And I also think it is hilarious that I see all these people that get put in Facebook jail and yet, knock on wood, I'm going to knock on my head right here, I have yet to go to the Facebook jail of it all. 
I don't know how. I don't know why. Maybe they're afraid that I'll revolt and there'll be like riots and picketing. I'm not sure. But I have not been to Facebook jail yet, but I'm sure it will come before this next election. But I do not know how that's possible. I, I posted something very minimal about Corona early on. And I was not in jail, but I was on probation. Oh, they have probation too? They, they have lots of levels. And I, I've, I've encountered a couple, and I, I honestly could not tell you why. I, I have no idea. I, I would say that, that my poster are usually as non-politically offensive as anybody's. I don't get it either. And I've never been on probation. I've never been in jail. And I don't even write any Trump-sized checks to the Marky Mark Zuckerberg of it all like you do. So (laughs) I don't know. I guess he's afraid that somebody will hurt him if they block me out of things. But that is a really interesting. uh, So moving on to another topic that, like, again, I have tried to keep this pretty politically correct and try to keep it positive. But I am probably going to get on a little bit of a rant right here on this. And so... I tell people all the time when I'm judging shows or talking to people that a lot of times, because we all know that I am a very dramatic type person and I own it and I wear it like a badge of honor and that's fine. I will tell you that before I go on my rants or I think about putting something up there, I'll probably type it up or whatever and then I'll screenshot it and I'll I'll send it to Callie. I'll be like, okay, girl. Now, is this okay, or do I need to, like, walk this back or just delete it or whatever? Because a lot of times when you're passionate about something, like we all are about the livestock show industry, you have emotions and you're wrapped up in it. And sometimes we just don't think before we post things on social media. And uh, where I'm going with this is any type of social media is not the place or the platform to attack a judge or anyone that has won a livestock show. I've been very fortunate. I've only been attacked like one time on social media really, really big. And it was a couple years ago in February, and we all know how that worked out for that poor lady. But I see this happen a lot. And I'm not saying that people use names, etc., but they know the show that that person went to, and they're either talking about how the judge was stupid or the calf that won or the stock that won was terrible, all this other stuff. And it really, really bothers me immensely when I see this happen. I'm as competitive person as anybody. And I tell them all the time when I'm going to show, I like to win these shows as much as I like to judge them. So I get it. I get wanting to win and I get being upset and disappointed when you don't. I understand all that. What happens when someone goes after a judge on social media? That person thinks that they're going to get under that judge's skin or make her or him upset because they called them out to the world. I'm going to tell you, it takes a real healthy dose of confidence to stand in the center of the ring and be under the bright lights and point and make the calls and do the signals. And so that's not what's going to happen. You're not going to get at them. You're not going to embarrass them. You're not going to make them mad, anything like that. What you are going to do is there's going to be a kid or a family member that sees it or hears about it or gets a screenshot of it, and you have taken that child's moment. Because 
that day at that show, that was their time. And it just really infuriates me because there's just no place in it. This industry, what I love about this industry so much is we like to build kids up to make them the best that they can be when they go on outside or beyond the ring, as we call this. And doing that does nothing but hurt kids. It is literally something. I'm sitting here and I'm almost sweating that I get so mad and so irritated about it. You're dead on. I think sometimes emotions come into play and we're all doing everything we can to to succeed and do our best. And we may not agree with it. We can all become barn blind. I think the solution to it is, and, and would certainly take care of a large portion of it, Let's take a deep breath, wait a day or two, and and then think about maybe what we want to post and and take a little more mature look at it. But I am completely with you. And we when we put something up there like that, and and let's say it was it was your son or daughter's animal or one that you sold if you're a breeder posting that up there, it may not have anything to do with the the quality of that animal that you want to try to portray that, hey, this is the one that should have won. It's more about what about that young person that did win in stealing that moment? I'm completely with you on that. And, and those chances and opportunities to win some of these shows may only happen once for a young, young girl or young boy. And we don't want to take that away from them. That, that's crazy. I never would never go out attacking a judge or an animal that won a show or anything like that. But there are times that I get worked up over different things. And I, my anxiety, my blood pressure rises, and I type all this up. And again, I send it to Callie, and I say, hey, what do you think about this? And as I said, she's my buffer zone, because I think what people forget is that as soon as you post that up there, Callie will testify this, a screenshot lasts forever. Even if you just did it in that moment, and it was up there five minutes, a screenshot lasts forever, because Callie and I share those screenshots a whole lot, don't we, girl? Yes, and unlike you, you delete your text messages. I do not. So I still got them and can always go back and find them. So I think that is a very important part that on anything that you post on social media, once it is out there, it's out there. Well, girl, I delete my text messages because, you know, I, I, I just don't like evidence. I'm a, I'm a, it's just not a good thing. But yes, I do. But again, like a screenshot, it it's out there forever. And so... I think social media is a really, really good and useful thing. It's a lot of fun. And I think there's lots of positive things that it can bring, not only to our industry, but to all industries. I think it's just got to be used properly. And again, as I started out this, I think the way that sums this up, and no matter what aspect or viewpoint you're from, whether you know it or not, there is somebody out there in this world that wants to be exactly like you and you don't even know it yet. And so you owe it to them to be the very best that you can be. And I think if we would remember that in terms of social media, we would all be a lot better off. Very well stated, Ryan. Thank you. And Callie, I, it's been exciting to have you on on the episode today, and I, I can't express how much I appreciate you giving Ryden, I'm not going to say guidance, but uh, keeping him 
maybe reeled back just once in a while a little bit. And it is appreciated. It's, it's been great visiting with you. And Well, Dale and Ryan, I'd like to thank both of y'all for having me on there. I've definitely enjoyed it. I would like to say one of mine and Ryan's both favorite thing to do on our screenshots is to zoom in on the people that's in the background. So don't only just look at your animal, but look on what's going around your animal as well. But I've enjoyed it and I appreciate y'all asking me to come on and I look forward to listening to y'all's future podcast. Kelly is so right because we do like zoom in and see all the people's faces looking at the animals in the background. Like, now, why did they put that up there? Because look at that guy looking at it. It's not good, but it is very funny. So I think that was a good idea, Kelly, to remind people that before they do that, make sure they see the whole picture and not just the focus. But thank you, Callie, for coming on here. It's, it's been a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll have you on a future episode. Again, thought this was a topic that needed to be addressed and discussed, and I can't think of two better people to hash it out with than you two. I am especially looking forward to next week's episode. And I think it's just going to be me and Dale only on that episode, and that's fine. What we're going to talk about next week is the trials and tribulations of competitive livestock judging. And that is something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. And I think that it's going to be not only extremely informative and educational, but I think, uh, at least on my end of it, you're going to have a whole lot of colorful stories brought into the mix. So, uh, really looking forward to that episode coming to you next week. So until then, again, stay safe. Try to get out there and not be bored at home. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Callie. We appreciate you being on today. Y'all come back now. You hear it?